This podcast represents the opinions of Whiskey Wheels Wounds and guests to the show. The content here is for informational use only and should not be taken as medical advice. Consult your healthcare professional for medical questions. Views and opinions expressed are our own or guests and do not represent any organization we are a member of. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statement or opinion made. This podcast contains explicit language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Whiskey Wheels and Wounds. I'm Sean Neighbor, nine-year United States Air Force vet. And I am Steve Vickers, 22-year U.S. Army veteran. I'm good. I'm good. Let's ride. Okay, boys, time for the show. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is a a very um, deserving and um, important episode. Steve and I are going to record just the two of us today. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some some true military heroes, and uh, this is our Memorial Day episode. Um, Steve, come up with a beautiful name for it. Never forgotten Memorial Day tribute. And uh, so that's that's what today is. This is going to drop on May 26th so that you all can listen and, and you know, you're already you're already going to be um, if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you're already going to be memorializing a veteran in some way, shape or form that has passed. Um, but now you get to listen to a podcast and learn about a couple other guys you might want to add into your prayers and your your thoughts on this Memorial Day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if, if I can start, go ahead, um, take a moment, just one moment to remember someone who served in the armed forces of this great country and made the ultimate sacrifice. A lot of people have a misunderstanding of what Monday is. First of all, they think it's a day off entitled to them the official start of swimming and grilling season. They say things like, Happy Memorial Day, and thank you for your service. Decoration Day, as it was known after the Civil War, is a day to recognize, clean, and decorate the graves of those veterans who died during war. Memorial Day, as Decoration Day gradually came to be known as, has been a federal holiday since 1971, with the honor extended to veterans of all of America's wars. I do not need a particular day to think about First Lieutenant Carlos Diaz Staff Sergeant Harrison Brown, Staff Sergeant Michael Moody Jr., Staff Sergeant James Snyder, Sergeant Dane Donalaw, Corporal Marvin Snyder, PFC Gregory Huxley Jr. I will place flags in my front 
yard in honor of those and the 388 more of the members of the 3rd Infantry Division I served with who fell in efforts to pursue the end of the global war on terror. You may ask me, will I cook out? Goddamn right. Partaking a beverage of choice. Yep. I will enjoy my day because so many since 1776 afford me that opportunity. I will also take a moment to wish those who truly deserve it happy Memorial Day. I mean, that, that that's pretty fucking powerful right there. You know, you doing... Being the Air Force guy and on the flight line and stuff, when and you know when I was there and not leaving the wire, really didn't have a lot of um, battlefield casualties or anything like that. So my my personal connection to Memorial Day is is very lacking in comparison to you. Um, but that's my my personal connection, right? You know the. But I also understand, I appreciate, you know, coming from a family with a lot of, you know, veterans on down the lines and through the generations. <clears throat> I understand the importance of it. And and you said it best, you know, everybody that fell since 1776, they paid the price for me to have, if I was working, to have a day off on Monday. It's not entitled to me. Someone earned it for me. Um, it's it's you know I got I got a I got a thing that I post usually every Memorial Day and it's it's um, don't thank me for my service on Memorial Day. This isn't my day. I, I didn't do anything to warrant this day. You want to thank me? Thank me in November on Veterans Day. Um, but you know. The wife, so <clears throat> the wife and I graduated from the same high school. She was a couple years younger than me. She graduated. She was very good friends with and graduated with a guy. His name was Raymond Border. I, I knew of Ray. I didn't know Ray, um, but anything I've ever heard about Ray, super solid dude. Um, he was a CB based out of Mississippi. Uh, he's chief petty officer in the Navy, and uh, on October nineteenth. Damn if I don't remember the year now. Um, he passed or he was killed um, in Paktika province in Afghanistan um, doing route clearance, IED, stuff like that. Um, Ray was a solid dude. Everybody loved him. Family loved him. Um, you know, my wife was devastated when she heard uh, the community really, you know, opened their arms to Ray when he came home to be laid to rest. <clears throat> Section of the uh, highway. You know, coming out of Coshocton's, it's the Ray, Raymond Border Memorial Highway, um, the gym down in uh, Biloxi, I believe, has been uh, renamed the Raymond Border Fitness Center. Um, you know, so before we did this, I, I contacted Ray's sister, and I said, "Hey, I said, <clears throat> you know, I'm Brandy's husband. You know, I, I co-host a podcast. We're going to be doing our Memorial Day episode." Um, I'd really like to say a little bit about Ray, if that's all right. And she says, absolutely. 
I said, well, I'd like to make sure your parents are okay with it as well. And they said, yeah. And uh, the wife's like, I, you could have just done it. I'm like, you're right. I could have. I said, but um, they're a gold star family. There, there's no higher sacrifice a family can pay to this country as losing a loved one, a son, a daughter, a, a father, a brother. Um, and, and gold star families deserve our utmost respect because, you know, they have to look every day at Memorial Day as a reminder, along with all the other things that they have that are reminders, that their brother's not there, their son's not there. And and I would have I would have been devastated if they would have thought that I wanted to bring up Ray purely for exploitation. Um and, and that's not what it was about. I just want people to know that in every little town, you know, because we're I'm from a small town. Every little town that you're in, there's somebody from that town that owes your appreciation for Memorial Day. Um, and uh, I asked Shanna, I said, is there anything that you would like me to say about Ray that, you know, it's not out there in all the news sources and stuff like that? And she sent me this little picture. And it's uh, it's Ray standing next to some guys. You know, like I said, he was a CB uh, he was real big into fitness and stuff like that. That's why they renamed the gym. When he got to that place in Afghanistan, they didn't have a gym. So Ray, using his CB skills, um, he built them. When I say built them a gym, he didn't build them a building. He actually built gym equipment. And so the picture Shanna sent me is this wooden incline bench that's, you know, it moves and it's got the racks and everything on it, you know, and. And this is a guy that just, you know, showed up at a place in Afghanistan and they're like, hey, we can't work out. And he's like, bullshit, we're going to work out and I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And he did. So, I mean, I know it doesn't sound like a lot compared to what a lot of other guys have done, but that was important to her. And and because it was important to her, it, you know, it, I wanted to share that little story about Ray. Now a word from our sponsor. Ohio Cigar Mafia. Are you in the state of Ohio and a cigar enthusiast? Join the ranks of over 200 members who enjoy a good stick paired with a sip of their favorite spirit as they raise money for veterans. Ohio Cigar Mafia is a 501c3 who supports the Southeastern Guide Dogs. They allow veterans to witness a brighter future through the eyes of a service dog. Thank you, Ohio Cigar Mafia, for your support. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I used to tell people, um, if freedom wasn't free, what would you pay? And, you know, it kind of brings it to the front of, <clears throat> you know, a lot of the narrative, um, nowadays is about freedoms and what people's interpretation of those freedoms are. And, 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 uh, no matter how, no matter how you view your freedoms, they, they were, um, 
a lot of people say, <clears throat> you know, um, the Second Amendment is a God-given right. And I refute that. Not because I'm a, a non-believer, because God didn't give us a right to bear arms. Veterans did. Um, and that's not saying, you know, veterans are better, but it's not a God-given right. It's not. Um, it is a right that is given through blood, through sacrifice, through men and women who stood out front and said, not today. And we've said that to enemies of this country for 248 years. Um, and that is what this day is about. Um, for me, um, you know, I've, I've brought it, uh, you know, I brought him up before and, uh, no better episode to revisit. Um, earlier I said, um, Corporal Marvin Snyder, um, Marvin Snyder was my sister's father. Um, he was born 327, 1950. He died in Vietnam in June 25th, 1970. Uh, my, my sister was born February 15th of that year. Um, he was able to see her born. And then, uh, soon thereafter got on a plane and went to Vietnam and within a few months, um, died serving, defending, uh, his country and the populace of South Vietnam. Uh, not a, not a popular war, but, uh, you know, he's one of many who answered that call and went forth to close and destroy the enemy. And on that day, uh, he fell. And, uh, you know, I've told the story before um, about the impact that finding the folded flag, finding his medals in a cardboard box that my sister had in her room, um, the impact on me that when, when I was able to put the pieces together, that without Marvin D. Snyder's sacrifice, th there is no Steve Vickers. There is no me. And, you know, what, um, the least I can do, um, the very least I can do is remember him on Memorial Day. Um, and, uh, you know, I am... I lived in I lived in a household where um 
military service was not looked upon highly. No flag was flown out in front of my house. No, um, <clears throat> you know, we didn't attend parades and, and, and things of that nature because of the pain, because of, you know. Um, it was hard for your mom. Yeah. And, and um, we never, we never had, um conversations uh even you know even when recruiters started recruiting me it was just hell no you know um absolutely not and so so marvin was 12 20 when he died yeah your mom would have had to been right about the same age right yep yep that's a lot to deal with yep and and you know it's it's one of those things where especially the time you're, she was promised a lot of things. Um, you know, um, my sister, my dad never adopted my sister because of, um, you know, the, the, the implications that would happen, uh, down the road, um, college, you know, she, she qualified for the Ohio war orphan scholarship. Uh, things of that nature. So, um, she, my dad always treated her like a child, uh, like his child, <laughs> not a child. Um, she's 50 now. So, um, but yeah, he always treated her like his child, but understood that, you know, um, her, her dad paid the ultimate sacrifice. And, you know, and I think it, it took my service to allow her to appreciate the service of men and women of this country again. Um, she, again, her, her dad's medals and, and flag and, and all that stuff were in, in a box, um, in, in her closet for years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just been probably in the last 10 years that she displays that in her house now. And, uh, you know, you look online and, and he was part of, um, alpha company, uh, first of the five Oh sixth, um, 101st airborne. Um, and where where things parallel is when I was in Korea in 2002, my my company supported first of the 506, and uh, I was I was giving a, I was given a coin um, by the battalion commander for you know some things, and it's the same coin they had in 1970. It's, it's, I mean, it's, and, uh, so I gave it to her, um, and, um, yeah, and I supported the, the 101st, um, I was attached to the 101st in Iraq. So there, there's parallels, yep. right? There's, um, it, it kind of reinforces your thought process that 
you're going to honor Marvin's service by serving. doing what you did by serving. Serving, mm-hmm. yeah. And 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 as I said before, it was a debt owed. Yep. Um, I felt it then. I feel it. You know, it's it, you know, if your existence is strictly, you know, um, based off of someone's sacrifice, what do you do with that? I mean, you know, what do you do with that? So, um, and yeah, yeah, you can't take that, that sacrifice for granted. No. And, and, but that's what, that's what this day is about, uh, that sacrifice and, and all the others, Yeah, you know, all the other lives that were cut short, all the others, you know, um, we did that ride, um, to, um, Illinois. yeah, Illinois last year to the Mid East Conflict Wall, man, and uh, what what a great ride, what a great place. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've said before, I don't, I I don't I I I can um, understand what the Vietnam guys feel when they go to their wall, but I never experienced it. Till we got to go to our wall. Yeah. Such a, such a heavy, heavy place. Heavy. So heavy. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, um, yeah, it, it was, you get to, uh, you know, they have the, the, the etchings mm-hmm. where you get to trace names and, and we did that spent, spent a lot of all the names I read off, um, uh, earlier, except for Marvin's, we we traced them, um, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was such a such a great such a great uh, time time to it was an amazing experience. Yeah, such a great time to to spend the day Memorial Day weekend at that wall at that place, and and you know do nothing but remember those. Um, yeah. Brandy got a couple of rubbings of Ray's name off the walls to give to his sister and his parents. Yeah. So I mean, they could, you know, have something, you know, they could visualize that, you know, it, I, I, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing cause I'm gonna fuck this quote up, but you're never truly gone if you're not forgotten. Right. And, and so now they can see in Ottawa, Illinois, yeah. there's a wall and their son's name is engraved in that wall and it'll be there for now until whenever, you know, same thing with those, was there like 50,000 names on that wall in Washington? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, there's a ride this weekend up in Washington. Um, we do a ride up in, um, out of Kent that goes into, uh, I believe Maslin. That's where the Ohio wall is. Um, Everyone who fell from Ohio is on a wall up there. Also up in um, Sunbury, there's a wall for um, all all the um, Iraq and Afghanistan um, members who who fell. There's a there's a um, small memorial in someone's you know it's it's a it's a state memorial now, but it started. Um, it started with, um, just someone putting crosses in his backyard 
and and so that ensuring that you never forget and that's that's what's important um that that you never forget and uh it's hard especially you know coming into this podcast um where where things get hard um is when you know you have guys that you served with um or or veterans that you you know intimately um you know they they uh they passed away uh over the last week or so and then um you know which makes you uh which you know it makes you reflect you know it, you reflect on um not not reaching out enough, not, um, you know, um, not being available enough. You, you, you know what I mean? Um, and I, and I was thinking about, I was thinking about that on the drive up here today. Um, especially those guys you're talking about, they didn't fall in the field of battle. Right. But those wars ultimately led to their death. Yeah. It, right. And, and, you know, the trauma from those wars basically destroyed them. Yeah. You know, and, and they'll never, they'll always, they'll be remembered by people like you and, and stuff like that, but they won't get the um, raw, raw right. treatment um, just because they're not treated as, as that type of a war statistic. Right. And, and um, it's unfair. It is. It's, it's, um, and you know, Mission 22 has, um, th- they dedicated a memorial, um, and it's called the War at Home Memorial. And it's basically for all who, who has succumbed to, um, suicide. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. And, and, you know, for uh, David Matarese, um, he was my PL's driver um, in 2010. Um, you know, we we've talked sparingly over the uh, last few years, um, and that's what that what makes you you, you fall back. You know what I mean, and and say, well, goddamn, I could have did more. You know what I mean, and <clears throat> you know, um, and then you find out a few days later that um, Chris Briggs, big, excuse me, um, that you served with in '05, um, he died, and you're like, goddamn. And then, uh, you know, so you're dealing with that. And and I went into, you know, a little bit of a funk and uh, had to get out on the bike and, and take uh, advantage of some some uh, good weather here in Ohio. And, and um, you know, and then this past Sunday, my, my father-in-law, um, 
Tom Smith um, died unexpectedly. Um, he was a Vietnam veteran. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, yeah, they didn't die. They didn't die in battle. Um, they didn't fall to the enemy. But they were forever changed by their service. And, um, you know, Tom being a Vietnam vet, um, you know, he, he had many ailments and he, uh, just became, um, a hundred percent disabled, uh, within the last three or four years. And, uh, you know, as, as things from the Vietnam era as, you know, agent orange and, and all that stuff, um, more comes out about it and, and, and things of that nature, more veterans are being afforded the opportunity to be in, to be taken care of, you know? Yeah. Our neighbor, when we first moved back to Coshocton, Merle and Algene, uh, Merle was on a boat in uh, Vietnam and, you know, the, for 40 plus years, the Navy said, and the, and the V and the VA and the DOD said, if you were on a boat, in the Navy, you weren't exposed to Agent Orange. Well, it finally came down the pipeline that not only were guys on boats were exposed to Agent Orange, but these were the boats, if you served on, we'll acknowledge. Happened to be one of the boats that Merle was on. So for 40 years, he's got all this Agent Orange damage going on to his body, and he finally gets the care and, and the compensation that he's deserved Within a couple of years, he dies. Yeah. Cancer takes him out. Everything that was wrong with him linked back to the years of, of hell that Agent Orange played on his body. Again, didn't fall in the field of battle, but the field of battle ultimately fell him. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> I'd like to say it, there's, there is, you know, the statistic 22 a day uh, veterans commit suicide. And uh, I was doing a um, a talk up in Columbus um, at um, a fundraiser they had at the Dougie uh, Mission 22 event. And um, I was asked by a local radio station, like, uh, 22 a day, what are your thoughts? And I'm like, well... This is just me personally, right? I think it's much higher, right? And I think it's much higher because, you know, there's 40,000 veterans that are homeless. And that number is what it is because those are the documented veterans, right? You know, just think, think back, um, you know, the, the, the number one demographic in America for veteran suicide is 55 to 75-year-old veterans. and uh, Those are pre- predominantly your Vietnam guys. Right. And when I would go to your um, VFWs, your AMVETs, your American Legions, and I would speak about, you know, Mission 22 and about 
veteran suicide and uh, a lot of those a lot of those veterans were like hogwash you know what I mean like you're not talking about me and then I I'm like well statistics say right it's it's not a it's not a young person's inability to deal with war right and then you say well why do you why do you think that and I'm like well you know, you come back from Vietnam and there's no fanfare. There's no, there's no parades. There's no uh, people lined up in the airport applauding as you walk through. As many of us who, who went to Afghanistan and Iraq experienced, there was none of that. There was actually people lined up to throw things at you. Call you a murderer. Yeah, which, you know, people, veterans quickly ran into the bathroom in the airport to change their clothes to get out of uniform. And uh, so you take that experience and you're like, okay, I want nothing, nothing else to do with the government because the government drafted me. The government sent me over here. You know, the government did nothing when I came home. Right. The, The government, they prepared me briefly Briefly prepared me to go forth, close with, destroy the enemy. Once I did that, after 365 days, I got to come home and nothing. We're done with you. Yeah. Road hard and put away wet. Right. And, you know, there's veterans that went back to Vietnam repeatedly because they can't adjust to life back home. Mm Mm-hmm. They can't hold a job. They can't, you know what I mean? Send me back. I'm 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 good at that. Send me back. So those veterans from Vietnam, they would come home, they have a disdain for the government, just you know, a, a horrible taste in their mouth for what they just did. You know, because now they have everyone saying what they did was ungodly and what they did was unjust and what they did was horrible and 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 all this stuff. So what do you do? Well, you go back to the steel mill or you go back to the coal mine or you go back to, you know, working at the Honda plant or wherever it was. And you work there for the next 30 fucking years. And you did exactly what your dad did and what your granddad did. You just worked feelings. Fuck those feelings. You compartmentalized all that shit. And you worked yourself tired. You went home. You ate. You fell asleep. You woke up. You did it again for 30 fucking years. Now you're. And oh, by the way, the majority of that population also drank heavily. Yes. Right. So. So once you're at retirement age. Now you get to now you get to shut work off. But now you're with your thoughts. Now you're not working yourself to sleep. Now now you're you know what I mean? So now you're dealing with repressed things from 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And and 50-year-old wounds are hard wounds to handle. Yeah. You know my my uh my uncle um my uncle Bob, 
uh, Vietnam veteran. You know, he, he, every time I see him, he pulls me aside. Has not, you know, has the nightmare started yet? You know, and early on, I'd be like, no, because I was still active then. I was still in it then. No, he's like, they will. And when they do, you want to talk. You know, he tells a story about um, straddling um, our aunt with a pistol. And, uh, you know, that evening, she told him, hey, <laughs> you need to, you know, after that evening, you need to get some help. And he did. And he still continues to get help. And, you know, it, it's, it goes, it falls back on having that support system. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where he worked for so many years and, you know, people, when you're a functioning veteran, right, which is air you know, quotes functioning veteran, which, you know, it's like being a functioning alcoholic, which uh, uh, they, them things are intertwined, functioning alcoholic, functioning drug addict, functioning, you know, um, wh- whatever the case may be, you know, when you're a functioning veteran, people don't think your experience was that bad. And, you know, oh, yeah, he served, but, you know, his experience wasn't that bad. Yeah, he's not Desmond Doss. Right. You know, he's not the guys from Band of Brothers, you know, right. the stuff they see on TV, you know. Oh, you, you know, we use me as an example. Oh, you worked a flight line in Afghanistan. Oh, you worked mobile radar and. In, in Iraq, really? Okay, well, you know, you weren't stacking bodies, you weren't saving lives, so really, right? quit whining. And to which I would, I would combat that with, you know, combat, combat MOSs, combat um, job, you know, uh, you're, you're trained from basic training, to the day before you deploy and then once you get in Kuwait it's a mindset you're 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 killing the frontal lobe you're you're killing where where the the morality is in your brain you're killing it you're you're suppressing it you're you know you want to you know you're trying to make what you're about to do okay and and that and for a long time it is okay you know they don't make un, 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 unlike what the movies show you they're, they're not trying to make mindless killers but they are trying to make amoral killers because the whole concept of war is immorally wrong right you are killing someone and no matter what religion you you practice, taking a life it's it's a no no, right? And you know it, and I can only speak how I train my guys is to we're going to train um, to the point where 
if and when you you have to squeeze the trigger, you are one thousand percent okay with the consequences, and that relieves some of uh, that burden. But you, you know? don't. But you don't truly know what the consequences are until later. Right. Right. And. And those are the consequences you're not prepared for. Yeah. You know, those, but they help. They help in the quiet times. At least for me, they help in the quiet times. You know what I mean? I don't have a lot of force on force regret from Iraq. I don't. Um, You know, the, the things, the things I've had trouble with is, um, did I do enough? Did I, you know, think that, that sort of thing, did I do enough? Did I, you know, um, and, um, you know, when I lost, um, Robert Liggett to suicide. Um, in 07, it was, man, it, did I do enough? Was it because of me? You know, the narrative out there was, well, he did that because you fired him. And, uh, and at the time in 07, I dismissed that as, um, well, I fired him for the good of the group, right? And then, uh, and then followed up the firing with a four-hour talking in my room. And then the next day, he shoots himself. The only the the only soldier I ever lost um, in Iraq. Robert Lee. Um, and, uh, yeah, that now when I talk to many of my contemporaries and, and people I talk to on a regular basis that I serve with, they're like, man, you like, you know, um, you talk to the Liggett's parents. I talked to Liggett's parents after it happened, once they were notified, once, you know, everything called and gave my condolences and, you know, his father's like, you know, he, he was always a struggling, you know, struggling with mental health, struggling, you know, and, uh, and, um, you know, we took the, we took the right steps. We took the right procedures to not have him go to Iraq. They deemed him okay to go to Iraq. Once we're in Iraq, he did some things we sent him back to, you know, psychologist, psychiatrist. They deemed him okay to go on mission. You know, um, he had to check in with his team leader every day at a certain time to get his meds, to ensure that he was taking his meds. Like, we did the right thing. And, you know, when when he... When he shot himself, me and 
Roy Carr, uh, Roy Carr being his squad leader, um, RC three, um, we were we were coming back from uh, Chow, and we hit we hit our chew line, and our um, Liggett's um, chew was butted up. Our rooms were uh, we were in the same chew, and uh, separated by a wall, and uh, we were at the far end. Our chew was at the far end of the line. There was the uh, there was the platoon offices in a chew and then the next the next chew was Liggett's then I was adjoined to him me and uh, uh, old monster 3-7 and uh, old Eddie B and uh, you know when me and when me and Carr was walking down the the, the chew line, we hear the shots. And I say shots because he used a M249 uh, squad automatic weapon, belt fed. And, you know, it when you when you pull the trigger, you know, several rounds go off um, until you let go of the trigger. So it could have been much worse. Um, and, uh, you know, as soon as we heard the shots, we looked at each other and said, Lick it. You know what I mean? And uh, we ran down there. Door was locked. And, uh, you know, we had to pry the door open to get to him. And, you know, it, he was in, when we got in the room, he was still alive. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where, Maybe we didn't do everything in our power to save his life then. Um, because, you know, what, what is, what is, the, I mean, we, I don't, what is the quality of life, Right. What what is what is the quality of life you have going forward? Um, I don't know. I mean, and and that's what that's what gets you. Did you do everything? You know, and that's why I say maybe we didn't. I mean, we the aid station was right across the street. Put him on a litter, got him to the. Aid, you know, what I mean, like we we didn't stand over him and 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 or none of that. I mean. You know, it, it's it's just second guessing. Yeah, yeah, and your armchair quarterbacking. But in that moment, knowing you and knowing the way you train and the way you train your guys, you wouldn't have thought you would have done. Mm. And so you would have done the way you were trained. And so there really isn't anything you could have done short of having a medic with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I mean it's it's. Um, yeah, I mean, we, it's just it's just that that nagging, and and when I tell you know when I tell people you know, uh, Liggett Liggett still gets me, you know Liggett, he still gets me, and uh, they're like, God damn man, and I'm like, 
I get it. You know what I mean? Like I could, I could use the, you know, his dad saying, Hey, he, he was a problem kid. He had, he had mental issues before the military. We thought the military was straightening him out. You were given multiple outs, but it's still not going to fix your conscience. No, because you like, you gave him to me. Now he's my responsibility. You know what I mean? And I take that responsibility. Um, uh, uh, with with great pride, like you know, I can't, I can't, you know, hail all my guys for the the, the great work they did, um, in all our deployments, and they did, um, you know, to ask to ask someone to get in a vehicle, go out on the road, and look for roadside bombs, and Half the time, those those roadside bombs are going to find you, and half the time you're going to find them. And and for the vehicle to take a hit, and you know, and then the very next day, a lot of the times they get right back in a similar vehicle and go do the same shit. Man, you know, the, I don't think the American people understand the sacrifices that veterans make we've said it before you don't get to pick your war that's no. a politician's job right but every veteran when they raise that right hand and they take that oath of enlistment you know it sounds cliche but in reality it's what it is they sign a blank check up to including your life to serve and sometimes the military cashes that fucking check. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, man, I'll tell you, I, you know, it's, it's places like we, we went to, uh, me and Sarge rode to, uh, Gettysburg, um, September 2019, maybe end of August, something like, I mean, it was cold as balls, but. Uh, it was cold as balls. Um, but we went to Gettysburg in 2019, I want to say, and uh, or 2020. Regardless, you wasn't there. We went there. <laughs> and, you know, we rode our motorcycles over and um, slept in tents, um, living a good life. And... Uh, we got, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a, um, if you've never been, it's worth a trip. Um, especially if you're a veteran, you'll be awe. You're, you're in awe. I'm so into, so excited to do it this year. Right. You're in awe. And, and uh, politics aside, um, the why aside, um, you know, why the Civil War happened, right, wrong, indifferent, put all that shit aside. Go to a Civil War battlefield. And especially if you're a veteran and you know anything about small, small group movement tactics. And I remember us um, standing 
we were standing on a hill um, in elevate, elevated defensive position. And across the valley were, was where General Pickett was, uh, where they did the famous Pickett's Charge. <clears throat> and, you know, Gettysburg, Gettysburg does a great job of having placards there um, saying exactly what happened at what time, you know, this, that, and the other. And, you know, they have the stops numbered throughout the, you know, the, the first shot in Gettysburg happened here at spot one. And then, you know, you travel around spot two that, you know, the battle moved here and then it moved here. And, and, uh, it, it tell it, you know, their placards tell you every unit that was on the battlefield there at that time, numbers, all that. It's, it's great. And, you know, Sarge being an infantry dude, I'm a combat engineer, um, and we're standing there where the the cannons are. Again, on an elevated defensive position, looking down into the valley where where General Pickett, they were in their last covered and concealed position before they made the charge. In July. in wool uniforms on foot after they marched hundreds of miles to get there with muskets and shit shoulder to shoulder and you're like these motherfuckers were told by their commanding officer to charge and that's what the fuck they did. And, you know, I don't, politics aside, I don't need to know shit else about you. I mean, they say that Civil War, it was fought over slavery. What, whatever, whatever your view on that is, have your view. I'm telling you, except for my immediate family, I don't know if I could make that charge with the conviction in my heart because I hated another human being so bad that I didn't even fucking know. That's my, you know what I mean? That's my thing. Like, um, the the South was wrong. Okay. All right. I would say that the educated people in the South were wrong. However, the masses, they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't get their fucking um un, unfactual information oh it's it's just like the vietnam guys that they were conscripted right but w- what i'm saying is the, these guys these guys in in 1860 they got on horseback they went to a town hall meeting 
where the most educated person in the town, be it be it the mayor or be it um, the priest, told them, hey, this is what's going on, and this is how you should think about it. And those young men said, yeah, that sounds bad. We're going to do that. And they made their mark. And then they marched hundreds of fucking miles to meet up on a battlefield in in southern Pennsylvania. And fight like they're defending their freedom. Yep. And and the other thing too is especially with those guys people fail to understand that they are considered American veterans. Right. That they weren't fighting for another country. You know, the secession never actually took place as far as becoming a separate entity. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't recognized as another country. It's not like they were, you know, uh, fucking um, soldiers from a different different country coming in and invading. They're American veterans. So no matter what you say about them, know they're American veterans. And that's all we need to know. Right. Exactly. And, and you know, um, again, you want to take down – uh, General Grant um, statue, take it down. You want to take down General Lee statue, take it down. You want again the, these, you know, but these people these people were educated, West Point educated. Um, they made an educational um, uh, a a informed decision to choose a side. You know, General um, General Lee chose Virginia, right? The the Commonwealth of Virginia, and and um, General Grant then you know he eventually became um, in charge of all of the Union Army. I mean, they made ed- educated decisions. There, there's there's posts um, that are being renamed. Um, they have been at this point. Yeah. That have been renamed. Um, and I have zero issue, zero issue, right. Um, with renaming posts, um, because those people, those, um, those veterans that those posts were named after made an informed decision of you know on what side they were going to be on but leave leave the memorials alone for private john smith corporal bob smith yeah those guys the memorials to them isn't for any type of celebratory thing it's like we said it's so they're not forgotten yes and you know um they're, they were doing what they think thought was right. Um, 
and uh, yeah, and and they deserve their flowers as well. And uh, just you know, just to bring it back, you know, it took a hundred years. It took a hundred years for Memorial Day to become a federal holiday. A hundred years. You know, in 1868, um, that's when, you know, Decoration Day was first uh, established. And, um, you know, in order to pay respect to, to those that died during the Civil War. And the United States Congress... You know, they, they passed um, laws that that um, acknowledge that everyone who fought in the Civil War is an American veteran and should be treated as such. And, um, yeah, and, and that's all. And that's all, you know, this day means. Yeah. Um, as, as an Ohio kid and an Air Force guy. Um, Air Force Medal of Honor recipients, there's not a lot of them, and they don't get the love that your more combat-oriented type um, branches get. Um, but when I was in Germany, uh, when you go from E4 to E5, you have to go to something called Airman Leadership School, and the one where I was at in Germany was called the Pitzenberger Leadership School. And I learned about um, William Pitzenberger, um, like I said, being an Air Force guy, being an Ohio kid, this guy really resonated with me. Plus, he did something that I really wish I would have been able to do. Um, but William Pitsenbarger, he was born 19... Oh, hold on. Before I get started about him, I remembered. Uh, Ray was killed in Afghanistan October 19th, 2011. I want to make sure I got that, that the year right. Um, but uh, William Pitsenbarger, born July 8th, 1944, Died April 11th, 1966. 21-year-old kid. He was a PJ, pararescue. In Vietnam, he was he was a, a participant in almost 300 rescue missions, um, aiding down soldiers and pilots. Think about that. 21-year-old kid, 300 rescue missions in Vietnam. Um, he died... Uh, on April 11, 1966, Pittsburgh was killed aiding and defending a unit of soldiers pinned down by an enemy assault during the Vietnam War. Before his death, he helped save over 60 men in the battle. He was posthumously awarded the Air Force Cross, which was later upgraded to the Medal of Honor. Um, like, to understand what these guys did, you know, helicopters would fly in, and these guys would would basically half time the helicopter couldn't even land. You know, they'd fast rope down or, you know, get low and jump or, or however you dismount from a fucking Huey in Vietnam. But these guys were were not only, you know, combatants, you know, but they were also rescuers. So, you know, they're, they're tending aid, they're engaging the enemy, and there was quite a few of them. But like I said, Ohio kid, this one just kind of kind of hit me. Um, I want to read this little blurb here about the, uh, the the whole thing here. Um, 
On April 11, 1966, the Joint Rescue Center dispatched two Huskies from Detachment 6 to extract a half dozen or more Army casualties pinned down in a battle near Cam Mai, 35 miles east of Saigon. Upon reaching the site of the ambush, he was lowered through the trees to the ground where he attended to the wind wounded before having them lifted to the helicopter by cable. After six wounded men had been flown to an aid station, the two U.S. Air Force helicopters returned for their second load. As one of the helicopters lowered its litter basket to Pitsenbarger, who had remained on the ground with the 20 inf- infantrymen still alive, it was hit by a burst of enemy small arms fire. When its engine began to lose power, the pilot realized he had to get the helicopter away from the area as soon as possible. Instead of climbing into the litter basket so he could leave with the helicopter, Pitsenbarger elected to remain with the Army troops under enemy attack, and he gave a wave off to the helicopter, which flew away to safety. With heavy mortar and small arms fire, the helicopters could not return to rescue Pitsenbarger. For the next hour and a half, Pitsenbarger tended to the wounded soldiers, hacking splints out of the snarled vines and building improvised stretchers out of saplings. When the others began running low on ammunition, he gathered ammo from the dead and distributed it to those still alive. Then he joined the others with a rifle to hold off the Viet Cong. Pitsenbarger was killed by Viet Cong snipers later that night. When his body was recovered the next day, one hand still held a rifle and the other clutched a medical kit. Although Pitsenbarger did not escape alive, 60 other men did. Like, I got goosebumps. Like, like that's fucking gangster. Yeah. You know, and and... A 21-year-old kid to have that kind of, like, his fatigues, they had to put a hell of a gusset in there for that kid to be able to fucking put his balls in when he put his fatigues on. To be able to jump out of a helicopter like that, down into the jungle, and then tell the helicopter, I know this is probably going to fuck me, but you get out of here, I got a job to do. You know, whether you, whatever your feelings about anything is, appreciate the dedication and the service and the sacrifice that a 20 year old, 21 year old kid out of fucking Piqua, Ohio did in the jungles of fucking Vietnam to save some guys that he didn't know, but wore the same flag on their uniforms. And, and that's that right there. Guys like that are the reason that Monday exists. Most certainly. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, they they often say, you know, the Medal of Honor, there's a thin line between a Medal of Honor and a uh, general court-martial, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, you know, because a lot of times uh, people are, are, you know, disobeying a, a directive to, you know, uh, save themselves and and things of that nature. Um, you know the PJ motto is so others may live. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he. The other thing I forgot to mention is he was the first enlisted guy to get the Air Force Cross. Typically, it only went to officers, pilots, things like that. So I mean, you know, I mean that, that that's huge right there. So others may live. Yeah, I mean. Um, so others may live. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where you know when when you do when when you're cut from that cloth, when that is your DNA, you know that 
it would be harder to live with yourself if you didn't. You know what I mean? If you didn't go in, it would be harder to live with yourself. Um, yeah. I would be remiss if, um, since we're bringing up Medal of Honor recipients, um, Alwyn Cash, Medal of Honor recipient, uh, served with him. Um, he was in um, 1st to the 15th Infantry um, on Kelly Hill, Fort Benning, Georgia, 3rd Brigade, 3rd ID. Um, we served together. Um, he was a um, platoon sergeant. Uh, infantryman in October uh, 2000, uh, excuse me, 2005, October 17th, 2005, in Samara, Iraq. His Bradley fighting vehicle was struck by an improvised explosive device. Um, the Bradley caught on fire and uh, drenched in diesel fuel. Um, Sergeant Cash retrieved six soldiers and an Iraqi interpreter from the burning vehicle. Receiving burns over 72% of his body. Sergeant Cash uh, died November 8, 2005. You know, there's 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 soldiers out there that feel the same way I do. That their existence is directly correlated correlated to a sacrifice of another veteran. And uh, yeah, so. He just received um, the Medal of Honor last year uh, after years, years and years of um, debate. And, and 17 years it took for them to understand, for them to accept that he he deserved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, Man, that's crazy. Yeah. And, well, he finally received it last year. Um, and um, so, um, you know, the, some some justice was served, his family. Um, you know, and, 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 a, and, a, and a deep thank you goes to his family. Yeah. Not only, you know, the sacrifice of them losing their husband, son, father, but also to spend 17 years making sure that the Army, the Department of Defense, and, and everybody knows and remembers who he was, what he did, and how he sacrificed himself to make sure that guys in that Bradley got out. Yeah. 
And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you think when you're thrust in a situation like that, you're going to make the right decision. You think when you're, you're put in a situation, you know, we, we say it a lot, you know, we say it all the time, you know, I'd, I'd run through a brick wall for you. I'd, I'd, I'd run through a hell gunfire. I'd run, you know what I mean? You say it all the time to, to make someone understand, try to understand what they mean to you. And, um, for, for those people to actually do it, to actually put others above themselves to, to, um, yeah, that, that is the epitome. Um, and, and no thanks enough can be given. Um, but you know, since we're, it, 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 it's only fitting on, on this, this episode that we talk about um, Sergeant Cash and and um, didn't know him well. We wasn't wasn't buddies. Didn't hang out and drink. But you didn't, you didn't have to. But we knew. I we knew each other through the platoon Sarn circles um, up on up on Kelly Hill. Um, he was a brother, uh, most certainly, most certainly, and you know. Um, and it was so, so close to home, right? So close to, um, resonated, um, with everyone up on Kelly Hill. Kelly Hill is a, is a institution to itself, um, in the, in the lore of the third infantry division, in the lore of, um, Fort Moore, now that it's called not Fort Benning anymore, um, in the lore of Fort Moore, um, Kelly Hills, you know, st- stood by itself. And at at one time, um, the Third Brigade Third ID was the most deployed brigade in the Army, and um, and those those. Um, those people up on Kelly Hill are, are, are some of the finest um, human beings. Well, I don't know about human beings, but some of the, some of the finest veterans. <laughs> They're human beingish that could handle some work. But you, you know, you you put them you put them in a fight, and and there's nobody better. Um, and and Sergeant Cash being one of them. So uh, earlier when you were talking about Liggett, um, it reminded me uh, if you're 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 battling suicidal thoughts. You're thinking about it, whatever it is. Um, they, they finally, you know, figured out giving it a 15 digit phone number for people to call when they're having suicidal thoughts is kind of a dumbass idea. So if, if you're dealing with any of that shit, you don't need that. You need three numbers: nine eight eight. If you're a veteran, choose option one. They'll get you to the veteran crisis line. Um, if you don't want to call somebody, text nine eight eight. They'll text you back. Um, you know, so just the, the three numbers, man. If if you're thinking about it, type three numbers on your phone, hit the button. 
those three numbers might be the difference between you being here today and you being here tomorrow. Yeah. And, and you know, there, there is time to be remembered. There's time. And, and, you know, what I would tell you is like I used to tell my squad, don't be in a rush to die. Slow, smooth, smooth as fast. Live your life. Don't be in a rush to die because people are in a rush to kill you. So, you know, when you, when you're entering and clearing a room, don't be in a rush to die. Don't be, don't be so gung ho to go in and kill the enemy that you allow the opening for the enemy to kill you. Take that same approach with life. Don't be, don't be in a rush to die because we're all going to die in the end. Our, all our days are numbered. So don't be in a rush. Live your life to give others a chance to remember you for that. And, and yeah, live your life. I think, I think it's appropriate that um, as we roll out from this episode, uh, we read all those names again. Most certainly. And, and um, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, um, I I know them all and I served with them all and I remember them all. And you know Lieutenant Carlos Diaz, Staff Sergeant Harrison Brown, Staff Sergeant Michael Moody Jr., Staff Sergeant James Snyder. Sergeant Dane Dunlaw, Corporal Marvin Snyder, PFC Gregory Huxley Jr. And Chief Petty Officer Raymond J. Porter. Yeah. And and you know, all those all those and and like I said, Alwyn Alwyn Cash. Sergeant First Class Alwyn Cash. Um, I mean, and William Pittsburgher. Yeah, and and you know, and the three hundred and eighty-seven others. If you go to Fort Stewart, Georgia, home of the Third Infantry Division, they have what they call the Warrior Walk. And every time I go um, to my sister's. You know, I have to make a trip up to Fort Stewart, and I have to walk the Warrior Walk. And um, from the time that um, the invasion started in 03 to the time the war in Iraq and Afghanistan is complete, completed, Fort Stewart planted a tree for every member of the 3rd Infantry Division or attachments uh, who died uh, in combat. So there's, you know, over 400 trees 
on the warrior walk. And, um, you know, it's important for me to go there every time. And these guys, I just mentioned, they're there. They have a tree. Under the tree is a flag, the flag of their brigade that they were um, in, and a headstone. And, you know, family comes, and they drop uh, memorabilia and, and and things of that nature. And, you know, um, yeah. So um, every time I'm down at Fort Stewart, I, I, I go to the uh, Warrior Walk. It's, it's very humbling. Um, much is, you know, the, the, the wall in Illinois, the wall in Washington, the wall up in, we have here in Ohio. It's, it's, um, we can never forget the sacrifices that men and women have made for us. And, uh, and I think if we remember a little more of those sacrifices, some of the nonsense that's going on can be alleviated, you know, and, and, you know, you, you look around and you're like, man, you know, some of them, some of them might say, I, I died for this. So, you know, um, take. Before you, before you eat your hamburger, or your hot dog or whatever it is on Monday, take a moment. Think about the guys that we named Think about the guys that you know, the ladies that you know, that lost their lives in combat. Just say thank you. You don't need anything flashy. You know, just just acknowledge them, memorialize them, and then have fun. And celebrate the life that they paid for you to enjoy. Yeah. In I some mean, way, shape, or form. It's, it's um, you know... Uh, there's an organization that's doing um, a challenge, a hundred mile ride. Um, Wounded Warrior Project is doing a hundred mile challenge to ride on your motorcycle. And uh, I don't, I don't know how this came up on my feed. I don't support Wounded Warrior Project, but it came up on my feed, and uh, so I started reading the comments. And in the comments, there's people who are, you know, um, oh, I ride 100 miles to work. I, you know, I, it should be 100 miles a day for the four days or whatever. And, and uh, so after I read about 20 or so comments, but there's 530 comments when I, when I comment. There was already 500. Now, all of them wasn't. You know, people are like, well, I'm riding to Washington for um, Rolling Thunder. Or on my way home, I'll set aside 100 miles for that. That's exactly what it's for. Exactly what it's for. You know, for, for those out there that were saying that ain't enough, oh, 100 miles, that's a drop in a bucket. Um. You know, to to which I say, you're not riding. We're doing a, we're doing 200 miles Monday. We're doing the Seven Lakes here in uh, Southeast Ohio. We do the Seven Lakes. This is our third year doing it. Um, 
we're not riding for us that day. We're riding for everyone who can't ride. And the mileage is a metaphor. The mileage is irrelevant. If it's 50 miles, 100 miles, 1,000 miles, whatever the hell it is, that's irrelevant. You're riding because you can, because you're alive, because you survived. If you're able and living, do something to honor. Do something to honor the memory of everyone in this country who answered the call and perished for this country. Couldn't said better myself. And we'll see y'all next time. Happy Memorial Day. We encourage your feedback and want to hear your stories. Hit us up, whiskeywillswounds.com. You'll find links to our social media and email. Remember, everyone deployed around the world, those still missing in action and prisoners of war, the homeless veterans in this country, and those veterans lost to suicide each year. Find a reason, not an excuse. Thank you for listening.